doing Sauce Talk. Sauce Talk is Monday. Once again, Monday seems to get here fast every time a weekend goes by. But this time I brought a guest, long time good friend, first guest on this show. I got John Overstreet with me. Good, good long time Cowboys fan, but good, great, should I say, football observer. Um, John, how you doing this morning? I'm great this morning, bro. How you doing? I'm doing fine, man. Well, take – okay, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to be alive. Glad I woke up. You know what I'm saying? Like, great. You know what I'm saying? The Lord let it happen. Um, but in the sports mindset, you know what I'm saying? I'm a little down. I'm down. But there's ways to pick myself up. Um, but as far as, you know, being able to sit there and say, hey, right, man, I can, I can share a microphone with, with John Overstreet on a, on a nice, good Monday morning to kick off sauce talk this week. I'll take that. But I will say that for my Yankees being swept by the Astros, hurts me. Um, I made a $10 bet to where I could have capitalized, and all I needed was Aaron Rodgers to beat Aaron Rodgers, but his wide receivers wouldn't allow him to be. Um, my Lakers, not even going to talk about that. But I'll hey, you on that. good day. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to recover. I'm trying to get myself right. Doesn't sound like a sad sack on this Monday morning, but uh, how you feeling this morning? Uh, I'm I'm not trying to gloat, but my my weekend was a little opposite. My Cowboys won. Um, <laughs> you know, well, West Virginia had a bad weekend. I will say that West Virginia had a bad weekend, yeah. uh, but my Cowboys won. I felt pretty good about that. Um, you know, my Pistons not looking bad so far. We got some good rookies doing some. Some stuff, so we'll see what they turn into. Jade and Ivy, I think we I think we won two over the weekend. We got one early in the week. We won the opener against uh, Orlando, and then we got another one in uh, I think against the Pacers. So, um, like I said, not trying to gloat because I know how it is being on the other end, especially being a Cowboys fan the last twenty five years. Yeah. So, it and that that's the thing that drives me crazy about people. In the moment, you got to appreciate what you can. It's you don't win a Super Bowl every week. That's true. So. You know, you appreciate the ones uh, when you win. They're they're that much sweeter when you're a fan. Just any any one of them. Like you said yesterday, if I'm a Commanders fan, beating Aaron Rodgers after losing Carson Wentz and thinking your season's over, you got to enjoy the little things like that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's other things to be upset about. Just like my Miami Hurricanes let Duke act like they was the basketball team and put up 45 points. When it's like, you know, it's like the one thing to lose to – it's one thing to lose to a team like uh, mid-Tennessee and how we lost to them. But to lose to Duke and to have this new coach come in, oh, my God, it's just crazy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you, Cowboys. I'm happy for your Pistons because, you know, the one thing I can't say about your Pistons is that with Cunningham and your with Ivy and the young players y'all have, which I mean, you have to talk about in the uh, 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 with Isaiah Stewart, man, him getting dunked on. I mean, that was the. I don't think it was the regular season, but I think it was right towards the, re- the regular season being started. The preseason, he he gonna have to get some retribution because he got oh, dunked yeah. on bad. But I like your team. Um, the one the one thing I will say is that Detroit, the you know the culture, the fan base is going to get back right for people to kind of jump on because you got. The Magic people trying to jump on even before y'all, and you got the Charlotte Hornets who can't get right. People want to see them do uh, do well. Then you got Chicago, of course, New York. 
Knicks, the teams that, you know, on the bottom that people want to see do good. So Detroit has to fight through those teams to get there. I think getting past Indiana on popularity, getting past, uh, I would say, really, uh, majority of the East teams except Orlando and, and in Charlotte. Y'all, yeah, it would say Detroit needs to get back on that winning plateau and having two young pieces like Cade and Ivy could definitely be that push for that. Uh, there, there's, you know, the old saying where when the Lakers and the Celtics are good, it's better for the NBA. And I think when you look back since the late 80s, when the Pistons are good, they have that Detroit versus everybody mentality. And uh, I'm glad you said, like, people coming back. Like, opening night, they had Calvin Johnson was in the building. Right. I think they had, they had a few rappers. Like, you could definitely tell the fans came out to see what those young players are going to look like. And uh, that's what they need. They need a shot in the arm because the franchise has just been down ever since that Chauncey Billups trade. It's like, even when Blake Griffin came over, I, I don't think we we might have won one against uh, the Bucks in the playoffs. So we won one playoff game in about the last ten or fifteen years, and and that's what's hard is, and that's why I say like everything is not going to be winning series when you're a sports fan. You're going to go through some dog days and some dog years, and for the Pistons, it's been yeah. a dog decade. Plus. That's yeah, that's true. And you know, you talk about the dog days, and you talk about teams stick. Uh, fans sticking in with their teams. Um, I would say <laughs> for the New York Jets, for the people that have been, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about this week eight. I mean, this, this week seven that went by and heading up to, uh, leading up to week eight. But there's a certain, there's a certain type of joke that the Jets have now with the injury to Brees Hall. That's terrible. But we're talking about in the game. Jets versus Broncos. Now, the Broncos have not been anything offensively. Now, having Russell Wilson in this game with a hamstring injury brings in Ripon, Rippon, however you want to say his name. He didn't look too right yesterday. But with the, <laughs> with everything going in the AFC East, kind of through the Dolphins, surprisingly saying, but look at the Jets team. But look at the two, like, just look at the two teams that's running the AFC East. Got both got a win yesterday. But them Jets, how about that defense? Secondary, linebackers, defensive line, all combined. They are very, very good. It's not just the teams like the Denver Broncos. I mean, well, people can say, oh, they beat the Packers. Is the Packers really official or not? But they are winning games. They're above 500. With the win yesterday, 16-9. to nine, and you see plays kind of like, and it was nothing masterful. It's nothing, nothing crazy. But to see plays like, like Zach Wilson, how he ran the ball, got the first down, got a little bit more instinctive, heady type plays. The defense, how they play physical and play smart, the way they did, or or interceptions, um, just how they play in general. Is the Jets on an uptake to be for real? Is Robert Salah like really like a good head coach? Is he getting them really? put together or is this like something that's being manufactured by the you know the chance of how the schedule's going injuries teams has not been good as what people think because you think like I said the Packers their next three games they're gonna get wilder but before the season you think those would be highly competitive games so I mean like when you look at a Jets versus Packers or then you say Jets versus the Broncos those supposed to be two good games versus two really good quarterbacks one didn't get to play the other one did and they played terrible are the Jets something that you look at as something for real, or is this like a 
like a like a like a like a mirage. I think they're in the middle, and, and I'll say this: first of all, as a as a football fan, my my heart goes out. I hate seeing injuries to these young, really good up and coming ascending players. Brees Hall looked like a guy that he was going to become everything people thought he was, and mm-hmm. you know, so I hope a speedy recovery to him. But I don't think the Jets are Taco Bell for dinner, which is what they have been. Um, you know, they'll. It is what it is. You know what you're getting when when you spend six, eight bucks on a Taco Bell dinner. Yeah, um, they're not that. There's some meat to them. Now, I don't think they're five star. I don't think they're uh, a ninety dollars steak yet. They're getting there. Don't get me wrong. I I love the pieces. I love where they're going. Losing a hall is going to hurt that offense. Um, but I I think they're there's something a little bit past your Red Lobster Olive Garden. They're a good dinner right now. There's some meat to what they are, and it started with them trading Jamal Adams and clearing, you know, getting picks for him. And, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned the Broncos in the same breath because I feel like they're kind of tied to that. Like Seattle felt comfortable getting rid of Russ, yeah. shaking it up. Russ goes to Denver. Denver puts a horrible coaching staff around him. Yes. Um, they just don't do anything to support Russ from a standpoint. Russ had a bad line when he was in Seattle. Denver's line ain't much better. You know, Denver wouldn't commit to running the ball. They have this offense where they just can't get points. So the Jets are, are everything the opposite. And I'll say this. I thought Robert Sala might have been a product of that 49ers defense with Nick Bosa and uh, all the pieces that they had over there, Richard Sherman when he was there, DeForest Buckner when he was there. I thought Richard Sala was maybe a, a product of those pieces being great. But he looks like he can turn out a good defense anywhere he's at. He, he's turned the Jets into a top-10 defense. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's definitely definitely something to look at as far as, like, like you said, it's like when, when, a, when a coordinator comes from another team, you're like, well, I mean, like, the defense is – you can always kind of tell what type of coordinator a person is, like, when they become a head coach and if that side of the ball is flourishing or not. And you got your, you know, Flores, you got your Spagnolas, you got your uh, – well, even on the offensive side, you got your McDaniels. I mean, you, you know, your McDaniels, you got your Josh McDaniels, you got uh, guys like like uh, Shanahan. And they become head coaches, and you see how good what they are really good at turns out to be. And and it hit sometimes it don't. And I think it's hitting with the Jets and and, and Salah. And it's just like and and with what's lacking on offense, they could get back for you on defense. And like you mentioned, the trades and smart moves, and you just hope that these that these front offices can make smart moves for you and they do that as well. So those are the those are the, the key good things that I can say that that is going in their that's going in their direction. And you know, like I said. A little bit of luck with scheduling and, and things in that too. I mean that that goes with the you know with other teams, the Eagles, uh, so much you know so much I would say, um, and, and you know bad luck for some other teams that, that just draw some bad teams that I mean that are doing good and where preseason wise we was expecting this team to be doing good. I mean we're starting to see that you know with the Las Vegas Raiders even you know what I'm saying we've we've with a team that went to the playoffs and you know yeah they might have lost but. They, you know, we was expecting, especially with getting Devontae Adams, we was expecting a little bit more. Now, they get a win. They get a win, mind you, against the Houston Texans, but it wasn't easy. The score is very misleading how that game went. 
And, you know, we see good things from Josh Jacobs, who's on a contract here. He's he's doing good things. What is your thing about your my, – my question is to you is, like, with this game being 38-20 to 20 and we're seeing the real game, what is, the, what is the thing about the Las Vegas Raiders different from the Jets that, that you see for this season? You know what I'm saying? What is the one, one thing that you can point out that is bright for them? Uh, I, I would say consistency. And, and I'll say this, Robert Sala was there last year. You know, that New York fan base has been there forever. Um, there's a lot of things that have been in place. And when you're the now Las Vegas Raiders, you have turmoil. You have to fire John Gruden because of a scandal. Um, you got Rich Basaccia, who's one of the great special teams coaches in the league, um, you know, taking over your team and they go to the playoffs. Special teams coaches are – they're the try-hard coach. You yeah. know what I mean? So effort is everything they coach, and you could see that when the Raiders played down the stretch last year. You knew they were missing some pieces, especially a wide receiver like Hunter Renfro was leading them in receptions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so they went out and added Devontae Adams, and it felt like, okay, this team has gotten massively better. But you change out the head coach. Like I said, you don't have that fan base in, in Vegas now. It's just they're finding their identity. And when you change head coaches, when you change cities the way they have, when you have the amount of turmoil, you got to surround you know, a team with consistency. And and that's the Raiders' biggest pitfall is what I would say is they don't have what the Jets have. And, and you're right on the scheduling as well. Some of these teams are going to catch breaks with it. And and that's why I say the only thing about me, my only thing holding me back on the Jets is you know they're going to play the Bills. You know they're going to have to see Bill Belichick. You know they're going to play the Dolphins. So there's they're going to absorb some losses. And they have a mm-hmm. young quarterback still. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm ecstatic. I'm bracing for a playoff run. I think they can be that sort of team, but I don't think the Jets are winning multiple playoff games yet. I hope I'm wrong for the sake of Jets fans, but, you know, but if I'm the Raiders, you know, as Al Davis's old saying was just win, you got to try to get back in the race. The Chargers are only four and three. You're not looking up at a big differential, but no. they consistency. They need an identity and some consistency. And if, if Jacobs becoming the guy and, and Carr has to play off of Jacobs, that's what you got to do to find consistency. Yeah, that is true. And that's the and that's the thing about it. You know, Jacobs has been kind of on and off. He had a DUI, but he's been he was banged up. He had the, he had the uh, injuries there on and off to where he was missing games. John Gruden was running him like he was Cadillac Williams. But you know, like you said, you catch a young player like that on a contract here. You 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 want to you want to flourish with them, and you, at this point now, when you when you add weapons, wide receiver weapons, you're gonna have to use this kid. And you know they got a backup running back that they can use on 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 the fly and stuff like that. They're not a bad team. That's why I say both the Raiders and the Jets, two of those teams that you want to see, you know, back in this in this playoff picture. Back the teams talking about people talking about the Chiefs, people talking about the Chargers. You know, somebody brought this term out. I wanted, wanted your opinion on this. Somebody said that Justin Herbert is kind of like uh, he's pra- he's he's overpraised. He's over he's like kind of like, like a praise, but overpraised. He's overpraised. It is not his fault. But it's like you look at the Chargers. Like man, our uniforms look great yesterday, by the way. But the Chargers are overpraised. And if you we're talking AFC here now, we just brought up two AFC teams. We brought up the Jets. We brought up the Raiders. Both of them got a dub. Now we're going to talk about an AFC team that lost to an NFC West team. But when you look at the Chargers, it's play calling, man. 
sometimes they don't like you when you have the certain players that are good. You don't call these certain plays that are just bad, especially when we got Austin Eckler and you're trying to use him as a power back, and you fall into this game to where it was it was could have went on either way. They went up and then Seattle, you know, saying let them come back. And, you know, all this, you know, it's, it's it was one of those games where I was like, wow, this is this is entertaining to watch. And then Chargers just played bad football. You got Keenan Allen back, Mike Williams went down and hurt. But it just, man, I hate to play calling for the chart for how good they can be. Well, I mean, once again, look around at, at the coaching staff on that team, and, you know, that's the problem. And you, you hit the nail on the head. you got an offense where you can name the pieces on the offense. You've got an Austin Eckler. You've got a Mike Williams. You've got a Keenan Allen. You've got Everett at tight end. They've got pieces on that offense to be prolific. And – you know, I'm sitting thinking of an, an analogy for Justin Herbert, uh, you know, and I wanted to say he's like Reese Cups, like sometimes they're overpraised, but Reese Cups are Reese Cups. We're not going to compare him to that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's true. I said it this morning. Justin Herbert is everything. He's like the sales for drinks. He's like the sales for drinks. You know, he's the yeah. sales for drinks. They get so much praise. The happy dads are everybody talking sales. But I don't see nobody drinking them. But they talk yeah. about them all the time. <laughs> That that's that's a per and that's that's what I was looking for is you hear about it, hear about it, hear about it, but you just don't see the results. You don't see it in in real time. And and the thing I said about Justin Herbert was he's everything that people get on uh, Dak Prescott about. Justin Herbert's never even been in the playoffs. He's never the guy to win the big game. He's not beating the Bills. He's not beating the Chiefs. He is passing for a lot of yards and losing efforts. He goes out there and puts up empty stats against bad teams. Mm-hmm. He's all the things that I hear stuff about Dak Prescott and some of these other quarterbacks. That's Justin Herbert. But then he gives us a 50 yard dime that he's throwing while he's falling backwards, getting sacked. And, and we see the second time in a damn Marino and, and right. over <laughs> three quarters and, and 99 minutes worth of, you know, him doing the things that I just said. So he's six foot five. He's got the body. Look at him. I mean, just look at him. And he's so smart. They talk about his. GPA and all that stuff, but like you said, Dak Prescott, with a lot of these big timers on TV, they would take him over Dak in a heartbeat and not realize that, come on, what has he done? I saw it on Twitter yesterday, and there were multiple fans in the Cowboys fan base saying just that. Justin Herbert's an amazing young quarterback, and I think sometimes that's all it has to be. He's an amazing young quarterback, but yeah. he's not on that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he's not on that level yet, and we keep wanting no. to put him there because of his stats. Right. But the problem with stats are if your stats aren't directly impacting wins, they're empty, and that's what it feels like a lot with Justin Herbert right now. He's got a lot of good statistics and not a lot to show for it. Right. And, that, you know, that's the thing about the talk about making – it's popularity contest. I mean, like, if you think of the end of last season, Justin Herbert got the two fourth downs in a row. They still lost. They didn't get to go to the playoffs. Offseason comes. He's the best slice, best thing slice bread. Betters and people sitting there putting money on the win MVP. We are now seven weeks into the season. Team's under 500. Team is not that good. And he has to sit there and do, a, like you said, a, a fadeaway. 50-yard pass for, for them to stay relevant because they're on his jock. And it's like way unfair to a Geno Smith 
who was out there doing the damn thing, who showed it, who showed it. Now, Kenneth Walker, big time help, uh, first rookie running. And Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, a running back that is coming in, you know, the first running back in the Seattle Seahawks uh, uh, team history to have over 100 yards and two touchdowns. He's a big help to Geno Smith. And what I was saying before the technical difficulty, which we will be able to shore up for the for the view for the listeners, but to Overstreet, Geno Smith doesn't get doesn't get the same praise. And if you look for the past three weeks, if you watch Seattle games, you watch Charger games. I mean, like, why, why, why not? A Geno Smith gets a little bit more talk this year because you know he was the top lottery guy who didn't get to go, and then he was he, you know, he broke his jaw by getting punched, and he had to go through all this. He wasn't the Jets guy, and he needed a smaller market type place, and it never really hit for him to be in a starting quarterback. And now he's back with the Seahawks, and he's starting. He's got the confidence. What is your take on Geno Smith? And I know you're a West Virginia fan, so it might, you know, be a little biased. But my my thing is, is that it's all realistic because we were we we've all been realistic with Tino. He's not like a player that you can stand or you could be like, oh man, like. But this season, when all the that's why I was sitting there saying about overpraise with Justin Herbert, and we just seen thirty-seven to twenty-three. What do you think about Geno Smith and him running the Seattle Seahawks? I'll I'll say this real fast. Um... And it's not that I'm trying to make this a, a race issue, but someone brought up a great point of, you know, here's Geno sitting on Seattle's bench. I think going into the last preseason game, him and Drew Locke were even. They didn't know who was going to start. But you look at the NFL in some of these contracts, Brock Osweiler getting $72 million. Baker Mayfield, we know he's a bust. He goes to Carolina, they give him the chance to start. I guarantee you he'll get another chance. Um, For sure. But really just some of these bum quarterbacks that you see get these big deals around the NFL. And Geno never got that chance. So there, there's a couple things. One, kudos to the Seahawks, um, you know, some of these other organizations. I know after he left the Jets, he kind of bounced around a little bit. He deserved to stay in the league. He's showing that he should be in the NFL. Seattle is a great landing spot for him. He's got wide receivers on the outside. He's got Kenneth Walker doing good for him. They're coaching that team a little better because when you used to watch him, it was Russ trying to run around and extend plays. Geno's a drop-back passer. He's never been the, a dual-threat guy. He can run, but he's not a dual-threat. Um, so I think the league just got it right on that one. And, and I, like I said, I, it's not that I'm trying to make it a race issue. I would compare him to a Steve Young. Steve Young got drafted early. Tampa Bay thought he was going to be this savior quarterback. And turns out he was just not for them, you know, because they didn't make an environment that Steve Young could thrive in. But mm-hmm. Steve Young going to San Francisco, sitting behind Joe Montana, when he walked into the, uh, to the starting role because of injury, the pieces were there. Mm-hmm. And Steve Young flourished. Now, I'm not saying Gino was playing on the Steve Young level. That man is a Hall of Famer. But to me, it's similar that he was picked sort of high. I know he was a second-round pick, but he was picked high. He just didn't pan out where he got picked. He bounced around the league, and he's shown that he can play. And I think that's the frustrating part of um, watching him at West Virginia, man. He lit up the Big 12, and that was the thing people said coming out of the Big East that 
he couldn't play or the Big Ten, I'm sorry, you know, people thought he couldn't play against Texas, Oklahoma, uh, TCU, Texas Tech, all these teams. Mm-hmm. Gino is a passer. He's always been. He doesn't have a super strong arm, but he's always been a pocket passer. Yeah. It's good to see him flourish in the right opportunity. And as much as I've talked about bad coaching in the AFC West, there's some things Pete Carroll and his staff have done very well to get Geno prepared and playing well in their system. Great. And, you know, that's the thing that I wanted to point out as far as when people were talking about Pete Carroll's regression or it was a time for Pete Carroll. Because, you know, people have been saying the same thing about Bill Belichick. There was murmurs and things about Sean Payton until he retired. Now Sean Payton's the best thing since sliced bread if he goes to any team, especially the Cowboys. Like, they're going to the Super Bowl. But what my point is is that it comes a time where people start asking questions about the coach. And, you know, he got asked a little quicker when it came to somebody like a, like a, a Peterson from Philly going moving on from there. But, you know, it happens for a duration of time. It happens as a prolonged. Tony Dunge, John Gruden, you know, we know the names. You know, if Bill Coward and Mike Tomlin comes in and win a Super Bowl, you know, so it's like, we, how can we do that? Can we do that? Is it time to do that? And it happened. You know, homegrown left, they brought in Pete Curl. They did, you know, after some years went by, they won a Super Bowl. So it's like, now it's like, is it now time for Pete Curl? But look what he's doing with Geno Smith. Look how he's retrained. Like, like how he's, look how things are starting to back, get back. Now, the defense is not leading to the boom. Because you got to have personnel for that. But you got to think that smart persons going to have smart people around to try to get some things going to where Geno Smith and that offense is starting to look real good. But the defense ain't terrible, but it's not the Legion of Boom. But when you look at the betting things of saying, like, oh, the Seahawks, they're like, you can win some money betting on them to win the NFC West. And the damn it, they might do it at number one now. But we're not going to sit there and sleep on a team that lost to a Kansas City Chiefs team yesterday to move on into them to be like, well, the 49ers got the defensive linebacker. Trey Williams came back. Jimmy Garoppolo is the only person that I can sit there and say is, is a guy. And, I don't, and you know, you can elaborate on this whenever I get done, but Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that could take you to a Super Bowl, yes or no? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's proven it, and I think he can do it again. Absolutely. When you sit there and say say absolutely, you didn't hesitate nothing. But I guarantee that you wouldn't hesitate to say this to when I asked you, Jimmy Garoppolo, would you trust him with just a certain – I mean, like, I don't know which pass play it can be. But do you think of that interception that he threw in the end zone yesterday? And you're just like, what was that? But we won't hesitate to say yes. He would go to a Super Bowl. He could take a team to a Super Bowl. But when you see shit like that, you're just like, man, you hate Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions. You know, quarterbacks can throw picks. Tom threw five in Buffalo, but he's the Super Bowl champion. There's quarterbacks that throw picks like Tony Romo's never been to a a Super Bowl. But with Jimmy Garoppolo's interceptions, you're just scratching your head like, what was that? Yesterday against against the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers actually had an advantage. They had a chance to, to, to really try to win this game. And plays like that would take you completely out of it and get Kansas City back on the road. Ju- uh, 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 and shout-outs to Juju Smith-Schuster, Hardman, uh, of course, Kelsey. But the wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs were on point yesterday. But damn it, Debo Samuel's too good for this shit. And when you when you starting to have some – some things that you bring in Christian McCaffrey. Everybody couldn't wait to see him run, and he did decent. 
But, man, Jimmy Garoppolo, what is your take on, first, the Chiefs? You know, like I like the compliments I laid out, but, you know, they're playing so good. The Chiefs, first off, you, I'm not knocking them. They are very good, and that's why they are top of my top ranking, uh, power ranking. That's why Patrick Mahomes is my, my season MVP right now. It's because when you lose the cheetah and you lose that, you know what I'm saying, people think like, oh, man, what are you going to do now? But then you make Kelsey still great, and then you now you get to Edward Tolaire better. He's making these players better. But damn it, man. Jimmy Garoppolo got to understand that I recognize that I'm game managing. I'm playing against a former Super Bowl champion that beats the Super Bowl. What's wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo? But also tell me about the Chiefs. Um, so there is so I was driving a little bit during the game yesterday. I'm I'm traveling, so I drove down from Ohio. Um, and I look up at the score. I'm close to the border. I'm down like in the Point Pleasant Gal Plus area. I look at the score, it's 14 to 13. So I, I didn't get to watch it yet. But I remember looking at the halftime score, it's 14-13, and I'm thinking, man, Niners are in it. Like, this is a good tight game. They got a chance. And I look up, you know, after I get home, visit with my family and stuff, I look up at the score last night, and I see what it turned out to be. It, you know, and I'm like, man, they they pulled away. And I said it before one time when uh, there was there was a new J. Cole album that came out, and I said, man, he just has another gear. Like, you know, some rappers you rap along with, even the first time you're hearing the album, you're like, okay, they're going to rhyme this with that. There's times where Cole hits another level, and that's what the Chiefs did to them. They just – they put it in sport and, yeah. and pulled away is is what it looks like. So I'll, I'll have to go back and recap it. Like I said, I was driving, so I wasn't able to, to be in front of the TV. But the thing about the Chiefs is – and I, I know I keep going back to this. They are Andy Reid team. Like if you look at those Philadelphia teams before T.O., uh, we're talking Freddie Mitchell and Todd Pinkston being their wide receivers, and Donovan McNabb was still great because the tight end and the running backs and the offense that he was in. It, it's no different for Patrick Mahomes, and and you're exactly right. He should be a, a leading MVP candidate. You lose a top five NFL wide receiver, and you're doing the things that he's doing, and your team is accomplishing wins the way you're accomplishing them. Right. He's lights out. Yeah, because Tyreek Hill is top five in receiving yards right now. Yeah, and, and so you replace that with – it's almost like Moneyball. You let Tyreek Hill go, and you replace him with three defective players. You've got MBS, you've got uh, Smith-Schuster, yes. you, you drafted Sky Moore. None of them are the guy that Tyreek Hill is, but collectively this offense has still been able to work. Yep. And, and that's why I said, like, that's always been Andy Reid's teams, even when he was in Philadelphia. Um, I think people forget – Macklin and, and Deshaun Jackson weren't high, high draft choices. They weren't super productive guys like Tyreek Hill. I think Deshaun Jackson hovered around 900 yards most of his career in Philadelphia. Uh, Jeremy Macklin was around 900 to 1,000 yards. So none of them were ever like that big 14, 1,500 yards, 12 touchdown type guy. So the the Chiefs are what Andy Reid team has always been. Now, they don't have a, a Westbrook or a LaShawn McCoy, but, you know, Tight end's good. They got back by committee, receiver by committee. They're prolific. Uh, when it comes to the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like he's he's not as productive as Eli Manning, but that's what he reminds me of. Good Eli can can shock you and make some plays that you would never see coming out of his body. Mm-hmm. 
but he's also Eli Manning, and he's not going to shock you throwing some of the interceptions, the bad decision-making, being loose with the football. The Niners are a team that has to get healthy defensively. You mentioned some people coming back yesterday, and it the Chiefs are a tough matchup, but the Niners will be there. I will continue to say that defense last year was a dropped interception away from being mentioned as one of the best playoff defenses ever. Mm-hmm. You hold number one Dallas in Dallas under 20 points. You go to Green Bay, hold MVP Aaron Rodgers to a field goal, yep. and then you have the Rams at 17 points before you drop an interception. And, that, and you had Matt Stafford pressing and about to throw a bad one and he drops. Just get you. It, yeah, that, so, defense, that defense was very, very, very solid. And it's still, and with Fred Warner, you know, those guys, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, when they get healthy, when they get right, like – and and I know we haven't touched on the Giants yet. The Giants are six and one. They're playing well. well. I would play the Giants twelve times out of ten in wild card weekend before I would play the 49ers. Right. And, and the 49ers, <laughs> but you but the one thing I can say about the Giants, being in a situation where the game's like 18, 11, 10, you know, 14, 10, with all that stuff like that throwing around that time, it goes to show how good that defense is, though, that is turning up for the Giants. Um, Leonard Williams. And, and those boys, man, I mean, like, they're, they're getting after it. And they are a, a defense that, with Thibodeau, is starting to look out. People were sitting there calling this man a bust because he tripped on a freaking drill at minicamp. Like, it was early in the morning. Like, he tripped. Like, he was like, my, my bad. Like, let me, let me get through this. You know, and they was like, see, bust. And it was like, I laughed at that. It was like, are we kidding here? Like, this guy's going to be a monster. And that's what he's doing. And, you know, I'm glad that you, um, you know, mentioned all this stuff because I, I forgot to mention Vada Scantley. But, yeah, like, I agree with everything you said about the Chiefs. And I love what you said because it's like that was perfect. You 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 moneyball it. You trade Tyreek or you let Tyreek Hill go. But you bring in some guys that they can do what he can do. But three guys. It takes three guys of that. And it makes more for Patrick Mahomes. So like, oh, I can just diversify this shit around. Kind of like the first year after Calvin Johnson retired to make Matt Stafford be looked at more as like, hey, this guy's a you know better quarterback than what we give him credit for. What is all Calvin Johnson? So, you know, they try to do that with Culpepper too, whenever with Moss, but <laughs> see how that went. But uh, with the whenever you brought up the Giants, you know what I'm saying, that's that's like the thing with the 49ers, you know what I'm saying, in that comparison with the defense that I'm looking at the Giants is like, hey. This defense is not snoring. This is not a boring defense. This defense can maybe some give up some mistakes, whatever like that, because they're not all the way there. I feel like that they're still trying to get out of that bad habit way. But this this Giants team is being led by defense and Saquon Barkley. It's not so much Daniel Jones and so much great, you know what I'm saying, like, oh, this magical offense. It's you getting good Saquon Barkley in, in great moments. He's averaging about 16, 17 points fantasy points. And then this defense is doing a number. So whenever you look at the Jaguars was the favorite to win this game. The, the underdogs were Giants. The, the Jaguars could not do nothing. I mean, could not do nothing. I mean, you can sit there and talk about their play calling as well. But, they, I mean, it worked against the Chargers. It worked against the other teams that they looked good against, even when they lost, when they put up 20-some points. So what is your what is your take on the Giants' defense since you mentioned them? Um, first of all, let me say this. I know I said I'd take the Niners 12 times out of 10 in, 
in the, playing the Giants instead of them, this Giants team is for real. And I think people have to quit hiding from that. There's still a lot of season to go. You know, we've got 10 weeks left. But at the end of the day, I think you said they, the Giants have it right. And look at the past couple of drafts of this team. Uh, this is something else I think we all owe the Giants an apology about that Brian Flores, Brian Dable story. Brian Dable's working out. And it sucks some of the details of that story and how that came out. But Brian Dable has been the right hire so far. Yeah. So I, I definitely have to give him credit there. Like I said, I think a lot of us owe the Giants an apology. Um, sometimes we want to see people get opportunities, but they did hire a coach that's been very successful so far. So it looks like they got it right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Giants are, they know they're not going to win with Daniel Jones. He's not going to beat you throwing for 360 and three touchdowns. That's not who he is. So they've done a good job of moving away from, and, and Evan Ingram in the game yesterday was a perfect example. Y'all were drafting tight ends in the first round. You took Saquon Barkley number two overall. You have to make your team build around him. Yes. Like they've transitioned this team from taking skill position guys in the first round higher than they should to taking offensive tackles, taking Thibodeau early this year. Um, you know, some of those linemen they've drafted the past two years, they're good in the trenches. Snatching like those guys have panned out. Cleveland Browns, snatching Jabril Peppers with the Cleveland Browns. That was a good one. Um, well, and, and then you look around and Odell Beckham's not even in Cleveland anymore. He's, you know, he's going to be on his second or third team, you know, yeah. this year potentially. So, yeah. yeah, I'd say they won that trade. Yeah. And and uh, what was the uh, – what was another – didn't they get uh, – well, they – Galladay didn't end up working out for them. I don't know. Is he working out for them? I didn't see him doing anything last I heard. He was – you know, did they trade him? Or are they trying to trade him? I, I – he – I don't think he's playing a whole lot. They they're they are trying to trade him. I think the same thing with Kadarius Tony. Like I've heard some teams interested. They just I think they're having trouble using him. But yeah. and that's why I'm saying Brian Dable deserves credit. Like when you have these teams, sometimes you'll see teams draft a guy and try to force them into a lineup because they've invested in him. The Giants don't care nothing about that. They're playing the best guy. And they don't care if they picked you up first round, second round, third, third draft day. Picked you up seventh round, undrafted free agent. They got you out of the local community college. They're playing the people that are playing hard. Yeah. And I mean, they, Trevor Lawrence had 43 attempts and no touchdown passes, only 310 yards and 74 rating. I mean, that defense has got to be saying something. I mean, they gave up, you know, they let Travis at the end get eight yards of carry. But, you know, it, it's some things that are looking up. And like you said, Brian Day was doing a good job. I mean, like it definitely, uh, uh, a big turnaround from what they had, and I didn't like. I didn't like Joe Judge. What was it, Joe Judge? Right? I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that from start. A lot of people sit there was arcing on, you know, Mike McCarthy at the Cowboys. I'm like, shit. I really have Mike McCarthy than this guy. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at things in NFC East, I mean, they're the best division, I think, in the uh, NFC conference. Um, a lot of people may sit there and but hey, what about the NFC West? Because now you want to you want to talk good about Seattle. And then you looked at Arizona, put up 42 points against the Saints, and then you got the 49ers. But I look at the Giants, Cowboys, and this commander team that is under the under the helm under again by Mr. Heineke, who I watched almost beat Tom Brady, who I seen. You know what I'm saying? Like I like I've seen 
this team beat Tom Brady live last season without Chase Young, watch them get hurt. But sometimes whenever a team get rallied by the quarterback, they want to rush to try to go get somebody else that's got the flashier name and maybe with this coach we can probably bring the best out of them again. And that quarterback had to be Carson Wentz this time. A lot of times it's always that one. You know, it's always the one. You know, it's Al Smith or it was, you know, it was uh, – uh, here comes, here comes uh, I remember, Nick, you know, Nick Foles whenever he – hurt his knee and he was supposed to come back for the Bears and all that stuff like that. So it's like the the quarterback this time was Carson Wentz. He had the you know the bad interceptions in the in the last season with the Colts and lost some games and then they lost against the Jaguars to go to the playoffs. And then wasn't that all it wasn't all on him. It really wasn't. So you spend time in the offseason, you get picked up by the uh, Washington Commanders and Things are, you know, I, from what I've looked at Carson Wentz, I mean, like, he always can whip it, but it's just like, I just I just seem like the love of football is left out of him or the fun of football, the love of football. Maybe that jumped out of him first, for, for, first and foremost, to where I feel like that changed. So he gets hurt, he goes down, that's never mind. Here comes Heineke. Heineke comes in, you're playing against the Packers, you're talking about my bet and everything like that, but let's talk about this game, Packers versus Commanders. And the fact that they're playing so much better with this guy, why try to go get another quarterback and just say, hell with it, man, let's try to build and try to be nice for Heineke because you get the most out of McLaurin, you're getting the most out of Samuel, you're getting the most out of uh, Tony Gibson, you're getting the most out of these guys when you have Heineke in the back calling snaps, calling the plays and everything like that. But the bigger story is always going to be what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers and the crackers are not good. Wide receivers dropping the ball. Defense not good. Alexander got there getting killed. But it's Heineke. What is your, what is your opinion on that? Uh, you, you remember Jeff George back in the yeah. 90s? I do. That's who Carson Wentz reminds me of in, in a career arc. Like – Jeff George was highly drafted, number one pick, controversial. And I'm not saying Wentz was a controversial pick, but they moved up to get him. Uh, you know, he's a number two pick, had a great year uh, in 2017. But, you know, ultimately they moved on from him because he wasn't the guy in, in crunch time and playoff time. Mm -hmm. But And that's why he reminds me of Jeff George. Jeff George had the fanfare when he went to the Raiders. You know, he had the fanfare with Minnesota with that year that they had in um, 99 after the big year they had 98. And it just seemed like Jeff George never lived up to his potential, but he kept getting opportunities around the league. And that's what Carson Wentz feels like. Like, he's he's just all these things he should be, but he's not. So I, I'm with you on Heineke. And that was kind of one of my things, uh, you know, being into fantasy football. I had Terry McLaurin in a league. And I, he's been on my bench basically the whole season. And, you know, I said, oh, Heineke's playing tomorrow. He's going to be good. You know, so and then you see McLaurin having good games. You see Curtis Samuel still continuing to play well. Like you said, both backs had a good game yesterday. And, and then on, on the flip side of that, I didn't watch much, much of that one because I'm watching the Cowboys game was on at the same time. But I look up when I'm looking at the ESPN Fantasy app and it's third quarter and Aaron Rodgers has 47 yards passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I just I was looking at my phone stunned. Like there's there's something going on with 
In crunch time, bro, just think of this. In crunch time, he had to throw the ball to Aaron Jones to get a touchdown. Another wide receiver catch the ball. He, I mean, he threw dimes. One was a little out there where Rogers had to had a dive and catch it. But he has two hands on it, man. You know, you're a professional football player out there asking to make millions of dollars. And here, Aaron Jones had to beat a wide receiver to make the touchdown for him to even have the steal to be in the game. And that's the problem for me. Like, I know last year him and Devontae – you know, posted like the last dance comparison. He came back. So if he wanted to be there, yeah. you gotta fight for some additions to get made. You know, no no one gives Michael Jordan enough credit for that. Jordan yeah. told him, We're not trading Scottie Pippen for for Tracy for an eighteen year old Tracy McGrady. Right. We're not going out and getting rid of Dennis Rodman just yet. Like we need these pieces for my last run. Like he wanted to run it back again. And right. that's what Aaron Rodgers did. He ran it back again, and he didn't fight enough for the pieces to be around him, it feels like. Because looking at Green Bay, they're just accumulating these losses that you can't explain. Like, them losing to the Giants in London felt like it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, they go out yesterday and lose to the Commanders, and now it's starting to be like, well, this is who Green Bay is. We're too far into the season for these to be blips on the radar. This is who Green Bay is. Right. But then but then they're like, man, we can beat those bears. We own them bears. Oh God. That the bears futility is not Green Bay's success. You know, the bear the bears lack of building a team that can beat the Green Bay Packers. And the Bears are in a similar boat. You got a young quarterback and Daryl Mooney's his number one option. Yeah. You know, that's what I talked about last year was like that's the easy road to the playoffs, just like the Patriots, man. You know, it comes a time where sometimes the NFC North is is an easy path for the Packers to make it to the playoffs, and then they make it, and they talk about all uh, his uh, his ratio and all this stuff. It's like he's playing shit teams. Yeah, he's not gonna throw interceptions, but he's throwing them now. You know, and that's what the things about the Patriots was. But see, and here was the difference was I I guarantee it. I, I swear by it. The difference is that the AFC East was just so bad to where. I would say that the rest of the AFC was just so scared of what Belichick could do defensively on, on, on a drop of a dime with different games. Then You know, Green Bay's never had that. I think where Belichick, where he was able to just mosey on through the AFC, he was still scary because his – what he could bring defensively to stop a, a powerful Peyton Manning team or a powerful, you know, Chargers with Phillip Rivers and LaDainian Thompson. Or those teams that was in Cincinnati with Palmer and Chad Johnson and Hushmanzada. Like, he can handle a hard defense of Pittsburgh Steelers. But when you look at the Packers, that's where their shortcomings came from, to where they can just only win that one Super Bowl. They wasn't all the way buttoned up like that. But now, whenever they can't mosey out of the NFC North, is it looking like this year, and they're getting their ass kicked by that other competition that's out there, and they're not competitive against the NFC East or the NFC South or the NFC West. And then it so happens they might go and play a Chargers team that might kick their ass too. So it's like, it's looking like Aaron Rodgers is like somehow not the same guy, but he's out there frustrated because you can tell by his press conference, but it's just like, it's, it's like you said, he didn't press for additions. And here you were supposed to leave with Devontae and you didn't. You stayed, you came back. So what was the compelling reason? You thought they were going to get better? So, I mean, like, you lost the Smith twins, so you lost hard some of your past rush. Alexander's not all that good. Let's be real. So, I mean, like, the defense, you know, is kind of mirage a little bit. And it showed. 
So it's showing now. And like Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, I still think he can still spin it. He's still throwing some, some good passes and things and whatnot. But his is now I look like the like not say the fun level, but it's just like you look at veterans that was turn it off. And what a perfect segue to sit there and say this about Tom Brady, who is right now being the ultimate turnoff. Because going through what he's going through in his personal life, that I'm not going to just jump into because I don't like to bring that into the sports world, but we all know what's going on with Tom Brady. But when you look at P.J. Walker, Carolina Panthers, they trade Christian McCaffrey. So there you got Chubba Hubbard, you got Foreman, you got um, – Rid of Robbie Anderson, so you got you know saying your your your, your, your wide receiver uh, uh, core has changed up to shift up a little bit. Defense is the only thing that's only been looking kind of good for the Panthers the past couple of weeks, but now Tampa Bay has the best defense in NFC. What people have been saying the past three uh, past say, the first three weeks of the season, the past couple people have said Cowboys and then of course the Forty Nine, but Buccaneers defense didn't really fall off that much. But when you see how they play this week, answer this question to me, John. Do you think there's a level of frustration with the defense on how the offense is playing, with how the offense is playing? Or is it some trueness to where maybe Bruce Aarons was right at head coach and not Todd Bowles? Or is it that or is it that now that we were just never that good to begin with at the start of the season, even what Tom Brady's going through and all that stuff like that? But what is what is your opinion on what is going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Because I don't think the Carolina Panthers was was like looking to come in there and win this game. Yeah, I mean, PJ Walker may have been, but I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, is it is it to the point to where like I, I think if, if if just to be quick on the three choices I said, I think it's more so Tom Brady. But what is your opinion? Um, I, I'll say this. Um, I don't care whether it's a family, a team. Uh, if you look at you know your job and the people that are around in, in an organization, if you have that sort of turmoil where you're talking about the head coach had turmoil and, and some bad relationships with players, so he steps back, you bring in a new coach, your best player, your leader on the field is, is going through some tumultuous things away from work you're going to have a bad time. I mean, like I said, like you look around the family, your dad's got stuff going on. Your mom's got stuff going on. The dog is sick. Like you start dealing with some of these things. No one's going to be cohesive. So I don't think there's a finger being pointed uh, defensively. I think even if we said before the game, Carolina's going to score 21, you felt like the Bucks could score 28, 35 or, or whatever. And I think that first pass from there on, like, they schemed up a 75-yard touchdown pass off rip. Yeah. Mike Evans catches that ball and walks into the end zone. I think we're talking about a different game. True but, that is. True that is, man. That, yeah. that, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. I couldn't believe it, man. When you, I, I was I was so mad. I didn't even want to respond to you, man. I was like that. I was just like, man, I cannot believe he dropped that ball. I just like it. Just couldn't believe it. Like you said, scripted perfectly. It was right there. Come on now. It, and, and that's the thing for me. You know they're capable of these great things because there it was. They were going to open a game and, and completely demoralize Carolina. But I think that is some of the stuff showing. And like you said, it's, it's hard to speculate on that. But the things that we do know, when publicly your head coach is feuding with a, a, a player, uh, controversial as it gets, uh, which to 
it, this is kind of something else, but I saw someone say, what does Mike Tomlin do well? And, and someone responded with, he handled the most toxic personalities in the NFL between Le'Veon Bell wanting to be a rapper and a, and a running back. All the things Antonio Brown turned out to be Kanye West with a football. Ben Roethlisberger, some of the things he's had personality-wise, allegations, selfishness. Right. So for all those things that Mike Tomlin is to be able to hold those personalities, it doesn't seem like that's what the Bucks have right now. And I think, oh my God, you made me think of so many Mendenhall. You remember him? Yeah, and, and that's right. That, that was the point that the guy made that was so uh, so good for me was he's exactly right. I never thought about it that way. You know, not Mike Tomlin is just a calming hand that's steering the ship. Now they're having a bad year this year, but they're in a transition year, and yeah. I think fans have to understand that. But yeah, like if I'm a Bucks fan, that's exactly what I'm thinking, and I think really. It's not a trade that the Buccaneers need. They need a bye week. They need a week to just have no noise, get the ship back on course, be who they are. Like you said, they're they're, they're if they're not the best defense in the NFC, they're one of the top three. Yeah, you know, offensively the pieces are there. You lost mm-hmm. some some offensive linemen to injury. Yeah, that sucks. Maybe during that bye week, go out and find you a couple guards. Yeah, but, but I don't yeah, know. Because now we got a short week, and then and then, and then, we, then we after the short we got a game in Germany. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that's the worst possible thing. And, and that's what I was going to say. I didn't look ahead to see when their bow was, but yeah, like uh, you're playing Baltimore on a short week. Now the good news is Baltimore is the team that blows leads. They held on yesterday, but they've got three games where they've blown a ten point or more lead in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, that defense is definitely not the same, but it's just tough to prepare. Lamar Jackson in such short time. And, you know, but we got Devin White. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of like the Marvels. Like, we got a Hulk. And, you know, when you got Lamar, you need somebody. You need a good spy. I think Devin White can be a good spy on Lamar. So, if we game planning around that, you know, I'm I'm feeling optimistic. Oh, yeah. Well, we – Lamar Jackson is is so dynamic. You never know what you're going to get out of him week to week. He he can hit you for some big passing plays. He had one to Duvernay yesterday – 31 yards off rip to kind of get him going. So he's not going to be a 400-yard passer. I'm not saying that he can't ever because I, I think that people come in with that a little too much. Yeah. But he's just that point guard, Russell Wilson type that can do so much, but he's even more dangerous than Russell running. So yeah. that's who he is. He spreads the ball. He gets people uh, you know, engaged and, and going in the game. He'll be tough, but yeah, y'all's defense will keep y'all in it. That's the thing, is just this offense needs a shot in the arm. Like I said, I don't think it needs to be a trade. I think they just need something to reset them. Yeah, it just we need and we need, you know, we need some of the guys to get back and play. We need Julio to play. We need, you know, we need, you know, Jamel Dean's been doing pretty well on, on defense. We need Carl Davis to step up. We need him to quit getting paid up coming out. Antoine Whitfield went out last uh, yesterday. Um you know, we just we are having that bad luck of just so much, and when it's not, it's making us look like a bad team. And it's not. I don't. I don't think that we went down the same hole that the Packers did. I just think we are just a bad luck team right now, man. Honestly, God. And and when you look at NFC teams and how we stack up in a, in pressure crunch time, I think I, t- I think people would sit there and want to pick us and you know be like a tough out 
in a wild card game or something like that. So we got to turn it on and make make believers out of it. Because when you talked about if you had if you had your choice of playing the Giants in the wild card or the 49ers, you would rather play the Giants five times rather than playing the 49ers once. Hell yeah. I think teams would be scared to play us oh, if I we agree. made it to a playoff on a wild card or something like that, if we turn it on. So, I mean, like, I think we just got to get, like you said, the bye week. I, I agree with that. We got to get to that point where we got to just – we got to somehow get a win this week against the Ravens in, uh, on, a, on a quickie. And then, you know what I'm saying, we're flying out to Germany. People are already saying, damn, Tom ain't going to make that trip. But I think what he's going through, why not? He went to freaking Robert Kraft's wedding. And, you know what I'm saying, like, why not – Use his passport to you know the the, the fly with the team to play the Germany try to get a, a good win against a good Seattle team. You know what I mean? Those are the type of games that kind of get a spark back to play against a team that's feeling confident. You know, Geno Smith and this team is feeling good, even if they might lose this week. You know, coming up, but oh, they're leading that division. Yeah, you and you're right. Anything Seattle does this year is with house money, right? But, you know, I'll say this: that Germany trip could be what they need. You're going to be on a plane together. Yeah. You know, some, sometimes, and that's why I mentioned, like, if it's your family going through some things, like I said, a team, an organization, whatever, sometimes, man, you just need a hug. And yeah. that's that's what it feels like they need. Like, I almost right now want to say what I would compare the Bucks to is when LeBron went to the Lakers and he said, don't pick your teammate up, you know, if they fall or, you know, don't get up yourself. You know, if your teammate fall, we'll come pick you up. Yeah. And then somebody somebody falls and then they don't come pick them up. That's what Tampa Bay feels like right now. Like Yeah, that that's where they feel like. But I don't think there's any one player that's causing it, but they need that cohesiveness, maybe being on a, a plane to Germany. Like you said, you got a short week, you're gonna be off for ten days, then you fly out to Germany. Maybe that's what they need to get everybody's gonna be in the same space together. Man, just get Get the monkey off your back, play some cards, have some fun. Yeah, know that your brother has your back. And that's what mm-hmm. it feels like the Bucks really need is just somebody has to step up, be a leader, and be like, hey man, we know you know, the, the Pistons got to a point like that with uh turning the switch on and off. And Rasheed mm-hmm. Wallace was that guy that came out and said, like, you know, this is 2005, 2006 after their you know finals win. He said, Hey, we're we're getting too comfortable thinking we could just turn on the switch. Yeah, and that's how Tampa Bay feels like. They feel like they can just turn the switch on, and, and yesterday was a wake up call. Yeah, and, and speaking of turning on the switch, and I agree with everything you said because that's that's the one thing that that you know maybe that Cincinnati Bengals needed um, with you know maybe just a practice or maybe just them chilling or whatever like that because they're a young bunch, but they're starting to play back to that Cincinnati Bengals football, and you know people were giving me such a hard time on my selection on the power rankings of having uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons line in the top 20. And, you know, my, I, mean, I had my reasons and I stuck by it. And, you know, it's going to come into fruition and start. But, you know, the one thing I didn't see coming was my Buccaneers now, but that's we're moving on. But the, the Bengals and how they did the Falcons is what I think is going to happen for the Falcons for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, the 49ers could have did the same to them last week, but they was missing so much and had losing mostly as well, doing for the rest of the year. They just didn't, didn't have Trent Williams either. They just did not have it. And Jimmy Garoppolo just needs a whole lot to be able to be successful managing the game. But the the Bengals with, with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase 
and then you get one hand catches from Boyd, and you get these plays from uh 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 uh, uh, uh you got Tyler Boyd, you got Chase, what's the other kid's name? I forgot. Uh, 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 T. Higgins, Higgins, yeah, T. Higgins. I always forget his name, T. Higgins. But it's just, I, man. I mean, like when they are cooking, but it's just Jamar Chase that gets it started. And and it's like the the plays that I like is what he's had the past couple weeks is that when he catches the ball, and if you don't bring him down, he out of there. He oh, is yeah. out of there. Like well, if you a good thing for Cincinnati, I I think they figured out their formula. And you know, early in the season, they were trying to force the ball to Jamar Chase instead of when those opportunities are there, take them. Yeah. You know, I think they sometimes it's like. Um, you know, you see some of these good college teams play these these bad college. Like you'll see a Alabama versus a Townsend, and sometimes maybe not Alabama. They're not a good you know example. Maybe you'll, we'll say like a uh, a middle tier team. You know, you'll see a, a Texas is playing a Townsend, and sometimes Texas is pressing the button, thinking they should be up twenty eight to nothing after the first snap of the game. And, and that's where Cincinnati was. Cincinnati was thinking like, man, we got all these pieces. We can just throw a bomb. Yeah, they right. weren't setting up the bomb. They were just thinking they could come out and throw a bomb. Right, right. So they they've gotten back to I think, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think they've just they've found their their groove. Those offensive linemen that they got early in the season, Collins was having a rough go. Some of the linemen they picked up in free agency in the draft, they were having a rough go. Um, I think they settled down. And they remembered who they are, what they are. Look, yeah. I looked at you know the division today. The Steelers are picking in the top ten. Yeah, Cleveland is close. I feel like if they would have closed out one or two of these games, they had a chance of winning. We'd be talking about them being a, a playoff scary team with Deshaun coming back. Um, but I think Cleveland's going to be around that eight win mark. Um, and then you got Cincinnati and Baltimore, and I don't think Baltimore has the gear that Cincinnati has. Right. And you know, and that's the and that's the and that's the thing to where like it's, the scheduling is so important, and that's why everybody flocks and looks at it before the season. But it's like when you can turn it on, and where how Cincinnati, I think, is like one of those scary things to where like how they were last year to where. You just you you just gotta know that you're gonna be in a scoring battle, and at some point to where you get three and out to stop scoring, it even happened to Patrick Mahomes. You're gonna get beat by this team, and you're gonna be like, "We got beat by who?" But it's like by this talented ass team. To now that they got DJ Reader back, and that defense can be a little bit more assertive. That's the thing to where that's something where I said they jumped up on to where they they start getting takeaways and stuff like that, getting a good field position. Get scary, you know. You get Joe Mixon going, and then the run game with Samaji P. Ryan. Then they're back to that playoff type Bengals because it took them a time to get to that last season. And that's what one thing I always said. They come in this season when they started to struggle. I said, man, they coming in drunk, hungover. They yeah. got to understand that they got to get back to that. They got to they got to build it up. Like you said, it was perfect what you said. They got to build it up because there's no rushing to it, thinking that y'all nice. That y'all can come in here and act like the greatest show on turf. That that's you know what you struggle with so much once you have that success. It's like I, I mean, th- th- there's really not a better way I can explain it. Like they came in and just no no stretching, nothing. They just came in and they was trying to just deadlift 
680, something crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. that might be your personal record. You, you might be yeah. <laughs> personal record. Don't warm up with your personal record. Warm up with two two twenty five and, and work your way up to your personal record. Like right. they were just right. walking in the gym trying to throw a weight around. Yeah, and and you know that's the you know that's the thing that you know I think you know they want to get back. You know it's a long season, man. Y'all young and they thinking they come out here and just you know thinking they're gonna go crazy, but. It's it's a it's a film watching league where these coaches are so smart they watch film and they can learn some things and, and be able to put pressure on Joe Burrow where he can't be comfortable and throw these passes to Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins. Um, the 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 thing that you know everybody's been waiting for, you know, on the on, on the other side of the side with Zach Prescott coming back, you being a Cowboys fan. I know you can wait to see him come back. You had your early success with uh, Cooper Rush. And then he fell short against the Eagles. I knew the Eagles were going to win that game. Uh, but with Dak back and how he looked against Detroit, with Detroit was averaging 34 points a game, and now that seemed to be a memory now after the past few games. But Detroit still can, you know, be troublesome a little bit. What, did you like Dak's game back? And what what was your what was your overall take of the Cowboys and their victory twenty four six against the Detroit Lions? Um, I think yesterday was was a perfect look at what if you if Dak hadn't got hurt and let's say we played the Lions in week two, I feel like that's the exact same performance he would have put up because I think a lot of people aren't realizing he didn't play in the preseason. He didn't play a single snap. Cooper Rush and Will Greer played the whole preseason, yeah. so I think that helped prepare Cooper a little bit more, which, um, you know, me and you have had conversations about it. I don't think Cooper Rush was great, but I don't think he was bad. He was solid enough to win football games by playing complimentary football, making the big play here and there, letting the defense in the running game be what they are. And yesterday it felt like there was a transition point. It was a close game. I mean, six to three at halftime, Detroit leading, um, you know, Dallas gets a, a turnover with Diggs, drives down the field, gets a touchdown, took the lead 10-6. Detroit was on the one-yard line, getting ready to punch it in, and Demarcus Lawrence splits a double team, knocks knocks the ball out on the goal line. Dallas takes it from there, and the game was never in, in doubt after that. So, for me, you could see the rest of Dak not playing in the preseason. You could see the rest of him not playing for five weeks in a row. Um, I think that he played well. I think if you're looking at the box score, you can't see that because you're like, oh, he, he barely was over 200 yards. He threw one touchdown. It was late when the game was already decided. So I think if you're looking at the box score, you didn't see you didn't see the game. You didn't see how well he played. Mm-hmm. He had a couple plays where he hit Michael Gallup on a skinny post, just went off his face mask. You know, he's got a couple plays where people are just dropping balls out there and, and not executing sharp. Right. Uh, we run a, a stretch play. Uh, Zeke has to bounce it outside because blocking's kind of bad on a third and one. And there were a couple times where Kellen Moore got a little cute, wanting to run reverses, third yeah. and one, second and, and one. He's wanting to do cute things instead of just power ahead. So the offense started slow. Dak got going in the second half. I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott got going in the second half. So um, sure I feel good about the season, but – you know, we're going to have to beat the Giants again. We're going to have to beat the Eagles the next time we play them. Um, the Commanders, you know, we talked about, I don't know that they're going to catch Philly 
but the commanders are hanging around. They're not a, an automatic win with Taylor Heineke. So I think uh, the division's tough. I like our chance. We have the Bears this week. Um, again, I never count a win in the NFL, but you get the Bears and then the bye week. <laughs> yeah, so I do feel pretty good going into this week. <laughs> our defense is playing well. If the Bears scored 15 points, period, that's a good game offensively for the Bears. So I, I feel like – I'd say QBR is it, it, shit, it's looking real bad in Chicago, man. Like, it, it's looking real bad up there. And they play tonight. And they play tonight against New England. And it's like, they're, I mean, like, Justin Fields is going to look terrible. Be, be, yeah, be honest. If, if David Montgomery scores a touchdown and the Bears score, let's say, 16 points, would you take that right now as a Bears fan, or do you feel like they can do better than that? I would take 16 points against New England because Jared Goff went up there and put up zero. Zero. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. So, you know you, you know your offense isn't all that talented. You know you're not going to light up this defense. Like, And it's not me trying to bag on the Bears. It's just okay. traditionally we know what the Bears have to be. You have to be a running football team. Jay yeah. Cutler's our all-time leading passer. Let that sink yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> the, Bear, the Bears have always been a defensive run-first team, and they drafted Justin Fields, and they just haven't built around him to be anything other than that. And I think they have to lean into David Montgomery. They need to give Justin Fields some zone reads, some bootlegs, and just let it be. But, yeah, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm not expecting a 20-point performance tonight. And if someone told me 16, 18 points, I'd take it in the heartbeat. Yeah, I, I would too, man, because Belichick will make that man see ghosts tonight. He's going to make oh, yeah. him see some ghosts. He's going to make him see ghosts. And, um, you know, the one speaking of that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, going up against that, that Saints defense didn't look too bad. They put up 42 points. Um, defense didn't look great because they gave up 30, but you know, uh, they got three takeaways. Uh, but, you know, you're going up against Andy Dalton. I think you, you're kind of settled for that, but he threw four touchdowns. But, you know, there's some things that with DeAndre Hopkins being back, I think there is a little bit more lively, liveliness to the Arizona Cardinals offense. That's why I was sitting there saying, well, NFCs may not be the best division in the NFC because if you get, you get the Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, playing good, you know, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, that that's that's pretty crazy. So do do you think Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury – I mean, do you, my question before we head on out, do you think Cliff Kingsbury is going to make it through this season with, with – with like, because I don't think he's going to get fired during the season. Do you think he's going to make it this season to where he's going to make it to the offseason coming back? Is this team going to be competitive now for the rest of the season? Because they always kind of die out around uh, around this time, week nine, week ten, week twelve, week eleven, heading on towards the playoffs. Do you see Cliff Kingsbury and this and this team staying strong this time? You got Nuke back. What do you what do you what did you take on the Arizona Cardinals? Um, watching that game, they got a lot of things right, and uh, they fixed a lot of their issues. They hadn't won a home game in over a year. Right. It, you know, sometimes it's hard to follow the whole NFL, watch 17 games for 32 teams. So you don't know every storyline. 
So I watched that game Thursday night, and that was one of the storylines was they haven't won a home game, you know, is over a year. So to me, it felt like they went back to mom's house or grandma's house. They got some good tomato soup. They got a grilled cheese sandwich in them. It was a feel-good win for them. Their defense got uh, two picks under the, in the two-minute drill. The the pick six were, were buddies flipping in there. And, and you see him in the, in the back of the shot of Andy Dalton kind of looking disgusted. Um, but I feel like the Saints offense opened the game well. They're a gimmick offense right now. They're they're manufacturing yards well, but a lot of their yards and points were in garbage time. And, and they even Al Michaels uh, said that during the game. He was, or, or I think it was Al Michaels that's Thursday night. But who whoever the broadcast person was pointed out. He said, man, there's just a lot of fantasy points by people that you don't know, care, or expect them from. Yeah, I think Dort, Dorch had a touchdown. The defense had a touchdown. You got Taysom Hill getting a touchdown. You didn't see the stars of the game really feel like the stars of the game. DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins didn't get one. Right. Yeah, 10 catches. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so to me, and the reason why I use that analogy of getting that just good home-cooked meal in you it is you wonder if the Cardinals are satisfied by that or where their season's going because – Sometimes we pencil these teams in before the year and we say this team will win X amount of games. And, and we think they're going to be that consistent and, and, you know, they'll they'll look like this. And the Cardinals have been so up and down week to week what they look like. Mm-hmm. With, with them having their, some injuries at running back, with them, their defense, their identity is, is going through a crisis. And there was a point in that game where Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury had words. Yeah. You yeah, know, they're yelling visibly, cursing at each other. Mm-hmm. Sure so, to me, Cliff has to transition. And I think Cal Shanahan is that guy, like, too. Like, sometimes these offensive gurus have to transition from, oh, I can drop this pretty play to this is how we get it done. Whether it's ugly, pretty, you know, get the job done. What yeah. What does that take? It, it's kind of like what somebody said with the analytics. Like these offense gurus, they 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 go so hard with the analytics, they're not thinking about the kind of play call that it's y'all fucking making on these analytical moments where you're like, oh, analytics say we, we do this on this, but we go for it on this. But think of your play calling. Yeah, and that's what Paul and Mary sitting there thinking like, no, nah, what do you mean? You gotta do it, and then you gonna get mad at me if I check out of this or not. But, like, thinking your play calling in these situations, that you want to be this analytical monster. Just think about yeah. it. Well, that, and that that was why I referenced some of the, the play calls in the Cowboys game because it's third and one, and you fake a give to Zeke as the fullback and pitch it out to Tony Pollard. Yeah. Like, you, you thought yourself out of a first down right there. What did you think was going to happen? Like, and that's, that's how the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury feel like it was a feel good win for them. You know, they got that win in front of their home crowd that they've been desperately trying to get. They got their receiver back that has been suspended. He played well. It was a good game, a good feeling on a short week. You just wonder now what they're going to be for the rest of the season. Right. And I, I think for the rest of the season, man, like barring no injuries and whatnot, you know, they could be, they could be representative, they could be competitive. They can be, you know, they can bolster that NFC West that everybody talked about at the beginning of the season. So, you know, if, I'm just interested to see if, if Gino and them can keep it going because that's that's an interesting storyline shift to where, you know, you're seeing the commanders, you know, they, they, they're feeling good. 
if the Eagles are still good with the Giants, uh, you know, it's it's crazy to where it's not, you know, you got the Vikings, they're up, but there, there's nobody else in their division doing well. So you look at when you look at them and you say, well, the Tampa Bay, they're still number one in the NFC South, but they're terrible. So the only two interesting divisions that you're talking about here is the NFC East and the NFC West. And then on the AFC side, you got the AFC West, and then you got the uh, uh, and then you got the AFC East because that's interesting to talk about the Dolphins, the Jets, and then you got the the Patriots if they somehow get Zappy going. We have to see how they look tonight. That could be a win for them, and it's just like okay. So like you you because I hate the AFC South right now. The North is in shambles. Not in shambles, but with no, how, the, how the defenses are looking, they're not they're not traditional it's AFC North teams up there. So like it's it's it's, it's kind of it's banging on the, the West teams, the West teams on both sides, and the East teams on both sides, which is wild. But I think you'll see the hungry teams in those divisions start to separate themselves. Yeah. And, and that that to me, like, if you're the Rams, you talked about the hangover with, with the Bengals, but I think the Bengals still have something to prove. The Rams look like they're not hungry. Yeah, like, that's, and that's why I didn't mention their name, because we're looking at Allen Robinson scoring his first touchdown finally. They still ain't signed Odell Beckham. They're not getting up from the Ram, uh, Rams run game. They talk about trade Cam Akers. You know they're 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 not exploding on defense like they what they got their one game winning interception, but they're not dead locked on defense. You know, so it's like they're not all the way in sync because I, what you just said, they're not hungry. So no, it's like they're, they're not, and, and you can tell losing Vaughn, losing Odell Beckham, yeah. worth retiring. Yeah, they're, they're not one piece away. They're they're right. four or five pieces away. If right. we're being right. So, and that's what I look at as a separator with these teams. The 49ers going out and getting a Christian McCaffrey, trading the amount of picks they trade for him, look like a team that are pushing their chips in. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about Seattle. Gino saying, you know, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. He's got a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. He, Seattle has a chip on their shoulder. Like, look at these podcasts and these, these uh, broadcasts where these former Seattle players are talking about Russell Wilson the way they are. Yeah, that organization had some problems with him, and you can see they wanted to move on. So the chip is there in Seattle. I feel like there's a chip with the Niners. Um, you look around the NFC East. I think they're they're tired of it, it, the Giants are tired of being what they were under Dave Gettleman, their GM. Um, the Commanders have Ron Rivera, and I'm pretty sure that man's a cancer survivor. Like they're gonna fight. Yeah. You know, the Dallas Cowboys have the well. You were the darling of last year's regular season, twelve and five, and then you lose first round of the playoffs at home. There's a chip there. Dak Prescott yeah. has a chip of trying to prove he belongs because right. the way the media treated him while he was out. Breach. You got the Eagles. You know, I feel like there is a chip there. The way they played that. The only thing with them, and I will say this, that felt like their Super Bowl. You know the the game last week that felt like their Super Bowl. Meek Mill out, packed crowd. That felt like a big game for the Eagles. Now, how they respond after a bye week, and they they took some some injuries in that game. Don't get me wrong, their their schedule sets up. I think they have the Texans, the the Packers, the Bears coming up. Their schedule sets up to where they're going to keep winning. But I wonder what their what's driving them. So. I think you're going to see these teams start to separate each other, though. 
based on who's a hungry football team. And, and that's that's exactly it. I like that. And I like it, man. And I, and, and I, I love that insight right there. And that's why I always love for you to come on the show, man. It's always great. And I wish, you know, hopefully uh, we, we, you know, so we do this again this week, um, especially um, going into week eight, uh, where, where it gets to the nitty gritty time, especially heading towards that trade deadline. And, uh, you know, we got the Monday Night Football game. We can talk about that. But um, we're going to go ahead and uh, conclude this episode. And I want to say that the highlight of this episode, like I said, I want to point out is that I said this in a voice clip uh, to you. And I was like, I am so glad. I am so, so glad that Ezekiel Elliott is okay. And that he, I know he's probably feeling it today, this morning, but it's not no career ending or season ending injury. That that cleat did not stick to the, to the turf. And it didn't end his career. That it slid. And when he hyperextended his knee, it slid to where it was savior there. It was savior there, man. Oh yeah, and that's we, we talked about it, like you said, kind of off air. But it's not cool the way people make fun of some of these injuries. You know, the way Tua got mocked, the way a Christian McCaffrey gets mocked. So when right. you see some of these players, like Dallas did lose uh, their nickelback Jordan Lewis for the season. He got an interception and. And, yeah, you know, messed up right. his knee on that. So, yeah, yeah, we touched on Brees Hall. When these guys get hurt, it's not a cool thing. Like, I, I would never root for another player to get hurt, uh, things like that. So, yeah, like, when I seen Zeke's knee get hit flush like that, that was my first thought was, man, I'm glad his foot wasn't in the ground because, you know, he, he went oh, uh, against the Eagles. He went over 10,000 yards for his career, total scrimmage yards. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, at this point we're talking about, an all-time great. Not everybody gets to 10K. So, yeah, I, I, I know we're wrapping up, but, yeah, that, that's what I will go out on. Thank you for having me back. Um, it, it's an exciting season. Hopefully it keeps going. I know basketball's ramping up. We'll start to add that in as well if, if I come back. So, um, yeah, definitely glad glad to jump on with you again and, and chop it up. Oh, yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. Like I said, your insight is always uh, on point, you know, and, and, and the audience, you know, that gets to come on and listens and gets to hear this, man. I'm telling you, man, like, you know, John, me and him, we go way back, but it's just like talking sports. It's just always, it's always, I always call it top shelf type insight. So I always, always appreciate you coming on. And I hope everybody enjoys their Monday. And, you know, whenever you listen to this, enjoy your week. But we're going to be coming back for sure. But this is Sauce Talk, and I'm out. John, thank you. Thank you. See you. All right.